One, two, three, four. If you woke up one morning and saw a geezer in your mirror, there's a couple geezers got some things you need to hear. Yes, yeah, some say get low, he pulled a fade of heart, but if you do it right, your life could be a work of art. So eliminate the worry, eliminate the strife. It's time to have your fun. It's the geezer Welcome to Geezer Life, featuring Dave. And Jake. Welcome to the humorous new look at Geezer Life, featuring topics like sexuality for geezers. Drinking for geezers. Cannabis for geezers. Learning music at a geezer age. Even spirituality for geezers, and new topics each episode. In today's episode, we'll be discussing geezer drinking, pros, cons, thoughts, alternatives, new drinks to try, even hangover cures. That sounds great. You know, but this is not going to be a judgy show. Honestly, we don't give a damn if you drink or not. You're grown-ass adults and can do whatever you want. If you made it this long on this planet, you've obviously made a lot of good decisions and know by now what type of lifestyle you want to pursue in your last years on Earth here. And we're not doctors. None of this is meant to be medical advice. Just some ideas from a couple of old guys to consider and kick around, maybe help you make more informed decisions about drinking in your later years. Well, it's a fact that drinking after retirement has always been popular and is indeed growing in popularity, especially among women. The National Health Interview Survey indicates binge drinking is up almost 4% per year. So that's every year for women. Okay, so I'm from Wisconsin. Jake's originally mostly from California. And I'll give you a little history of my first uh, experience with drinking. I think I was 14 years old. One of the local kids in the neighborhood ended up with a case of altar wine from the local church. And I don't know if that was pilfered or if he made some type of deal with the devil or deal with the priest. A lot of that was going on back then to come up with this altar wine. But that was my first experience drinking any type of alcohol, and that was with some altar wine. How about you, Jake? Well, mine is a little similar, except I didn't have altar wine. I was in Southern California at the time, around 16 years old, and I got introduced to a brand called Spinata. If you know from that era, it was a very cheap wine. You could buy a gallon of it for about a buck seventy-nine, and I had a little too much to drink and had a cheap wine drunk. It was later that night. I threw up and passed out, and needless to say, no chicks came home with me that night. Yeah, well, that move's not going to work now with geezer chicks either. So good thing you can handle your hooch now. Do you drink more now that you live in Wisconsin? I mean, there's a strong drinking culture here, and the weather plays a part of it since we're indoors most of the year. Yeah, I do. It's such a part of the culture here, especially during the winter months when you're in, indoors pretty much for six months at a time. You know, there's a lot of reasons that geezers tend to drink more. One is obviously the early happy hour. You used to have to wait till five o'clock for that. Now uh, it tends to start about two o'clock for a lot of people, it seems like. You have more leisure time. There's no commitments for tomorrow, so it doesn't matter if you kind of uh, have drag ass. Some of the hobbies that geezers do, like golfing and fishing, tend to lend themselves to drinking. I know I was uh, recently visiting my brother, who's 79, down in the villages in Florida, and went golfing with those guys, and holy cow, I mean, it was drinking from uh, the time we hit the golf course parking lot until uh, the very last shot. 
Another reason is boredom. There's just nothing to do. And of course, you get to this age, you got to be honest, there's a sense of impending doom and death coming. Because by now, you've probably buried some family members and friends. But really done right, it can be sort of an active hobby with things like wine tastings and spirit or beer pairings with food. Yeah, cut back if it's affecting your health. Anything, like anything else, moderation is key. Uh, needs to be friendship and your, your budget. Um, liver issues, swollen abdomen, beer belly, swollen legs are some uh, side effects. And wow, does that ever leave a picture in my mind's eye? <laughs> if you go to take off your socks at night and you see you have some marks there, you know that you're probably a little swollen. Or if your nose starts to grow and gets a little big, you got to watch out for that too. You know, you mentioned liver. There's actually a couple of things you could do to help your overall liver health. Again, now we're not doctors, but uh, like drinking lemon juice, water with lemon juice in it, that can help clean out the liver. Eating avocados uh, can help the liver. Turmeric is good for general inflammation and zinc, which also helps prevent COVID a little bit. So those are some things you can try on your own. So you're telling me if, if I'm having some guacamole after four margaritas, that's a good thing. Well, again, I'm not a doctor, but I had four margaritas last Saturday and I had some guac with that and I woke up alive Sunday. So yes, I'm thinking that was a good deal. Well, I think Ben Franklin also quoted that beer is God's proof that he loves us. Well, I know it improves my outlook. It helps my arthritis and even my thought process. In fact, last week after golfing, my wife said I was talking a lot smarter than I was when I left in the morning. Do you think it helps with your guitar playing? Well, no, but I think if you're listening to my guitar playing, it would probably help to have a few drinks. How about any ideas about how managing how often we, we drink? Well, if you just go into the week with no plan, you can end up drinking every day. So I actually like to designate a few days a week as non-drinking days ahead of time. So this could change each week based on your social calendar. But if you say ahead of time that you won't drink on, say, Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday, then you know ahead of time that you need to schedule some other types of activities to keep you busy. So these are good days to pursue other things like exercise, hobbies, guitar playing, volunteering, spending time with your kids, or your drier type friends on those days, friends who don't drink. I see. So, I mean, control your drinking and let it, instead of your drinking, controlling you. Well, yeah. So you kind of make sure on some days you're going to drink with intention. So if you set up an organized wine tasting or a cocktail pairing with, say, two specialty drinks, you can have a limited amount of alcohol and enjoy it without overindulging. So a pre-agreed upon limit allows for some fun without excess health damage. You know, I know you got... Um, a bottle of Mezcal recently, and that drink was impossible to find in most parts of the country just a few years ago, but has really grown in popularity. What uh, what can you tell me about the Mezcal you got? Well, you know, I didn't know much about Mezcal uh, a few months ago, but then uh, you taught me a little bit about it, and so I was in the liquor store the other day and, and bought a bottle of it. Uh, the brand I got was Boscal, um, and it was 84 proof, so it's like any other hard liquor um, up there with the alcohol content. It's made of 100% gava. Um, it's it's produced in small scales, um, not like tequila. And I always thought mezcal was just like tequila, but but it's not. It's very different. Um, tequila is built in you know big batches, uh, more factory and you know huge distribu distribution companies. Uh, where mezcal is made in small batches, um, with more or less in families, and, and primarily in, in Mexico. The tradition of making it has gone back over 200 years, and they still make it similar to that today. Um, 
what they do is they take the gava plant and then they smash it up and then they cook it over uh, a pit or an oven um, and they put wood chips in and it gives it a smoky flavor. It's left to ferment in barrels for uh, you know a few months and uh, and then they bottle it. And the tradition of mezcal is that sometimes they put a worm in it. Um, and so the reason they do that, one you know, one uh, sense is that they feel it's for marketing. Another group feels it adds to the flavor, and a third group that it proves it's mezcal and not tequila because of the pride that they make in making it. Um, in fact, I had a shot of mezcal when I was preparing for this podcast. <laughs> this morning, you mean? Well, yeah. <laughs> You know, it traditionally it's it's drank as a shot with a chaser of uh, of lime, just to squeeze a lime and you bite on the lime, kind of like tequila. Uh, but there is another way to make the drink is with uh, pineapple and lime juice. Um, it's really rather good. It kind of the pineapple sweetens it up, cuts back the smoky flavor, but you still got the smoky flavor that's through there. But try it sometime. If you take a shot of tequila, then take a shot of mezcal. You'll definitely tell the difference, even though it's made from the same ingredients. And that would help my arthritis as well, I think, if I did two shots in a row. Well, that always does help. <laughs> How about you and Sal? Anything new exciting in your pantry? Well, we went to Montreal recently, and we discovered a drink called the Italian Spritz. And uh, we had never heard of this before, but we went in a bar. It was fairly crowded, and everyone was drinking these kind of bubbly, see-through orange kind of drinks. So we asked the bartender what that was all about, and apparently it's almost a national drink up there in Montreal. But what that is is cava. Or really, you can use any kind of sparkling wine. So you could use champagne for this or Prosecco. Cava is the sparkling wine version from Spain. And then in there, you put a couple ounces of what's called Aperol, which is a bitter orange liqueur, a slice of fresh orange, and also a little bit of club soda. And that is really a nice, refreshing summertime drink if you're looking for something new. It's a little pricey if you... um, get it at a bar, but most bars will have a bottle of Aperol, and a lot of them will have some type of sparkling wine as well. So if you ask for an Italian spritz or an Aperol spritz, I encourage you to try that this summer. Could you send me a video on some of that drinking contraption? What the heck is that thing? Well, that was something uh, we discovered in Nashville, actually, and Sally saw some people at a bar doing this, and they had a thing called a champagne bong, which is... um, a five-ounce device, kind of looks like a glass pipe, and we were in a place called the Marsh House, and um, you fill it up with champagne, and then just sort of tilt it, and the whole thing rushes down your throat at once, kind of like a beer bong. Oh, okay. Well, I can relate to that. Well, she loved it, and so now she ordered a set on Amazon when we got home, and we've had a few gatherings since then, and she likes to break this thing out at the start of a party, especially if not everyone knows everyone real well at the party because it's really an icebreaker but uh, it's a good way to get five ounces of champagne in you instantly and uh, that can also help with your outlook well pam and i would love to come over sometime and check that out that'd be fun (laughs) how do you set up a wine tasting event well, we have couples over and ask each couple to bring in their own bottle of wine and do some research on the wine. So try to get something special or unique, not a common grocery store brand. Bring it over along with an appropriate appetizer or snack pairing. It could be cheese or nuts or some fruit or something like that. But be prepared, each couple, to discuss the attributes of the wine. So sometimes we even have a vote as to not only the best wine, but the best overall presentation with the tasting and the um, 
discussion about the wine. And this is a way to drink with intention so it feels special and it's not a free-for-all. You're not just glugging out of a bottle. And it slows down the process a little bit as you talk about it. And again, it makes you feel like you're having some fun, having a drink, without just having it be uh, no limits. Sounds sophisticated. And also, Dave, you just recently wrote a song called You're My Wine Baby for Sally for last Valentine's Day. Hey, you want to give it a shot? Sure, let's play it. One, two, three, four. Nice job, Dave. I know you you do most of the cooking at your place. Any suggestions for hangovers? Well, I've read lots of stuff about this, and we're kind of experts at this. So uh, out of all the things, you know, you don't want to get too complicated because you don't feel too good in the morning. So I recommend scrambled eggs. Now, any along with that, any type of, of meat accompaniment, accompaniment would be fine. You know, if you have some ham or some sausage to go with that. But it's really about the protein and the eggs. And it, it seems to Sally and I that they start curing the headache before you're even halfway through eating the plate of eggs. So in order to make this whole thing work, though, you got to be prepared the night before. So no running to the grocery store that morning to get eggs. 
As soon as both parties are awake, those <laughs> eggs have got to hit the pan. And uh, lots of butter. If you have a little heavy cream to mix in with those, that fat in there really seems to help. Maybe a bit of cheese. I mean, you can put in vegetables or something. Uh, they're optional. They don't hurt, but they don't really help. And then after breakfast, get outside, weather permitting, and get some fresh air. A short walk, you know, work in the garage, something. But eggs and air. You need eggs and air. What about a Bloody Mary? You mean right now? Well, no, you know, for a hangover. Oh you know, I kind of know bloodies are usually a morning or midday drink. Is there any truth to that, that they help uh, bite the dog, you might say? Well, for a nasty weekend hangover that persists in the afternoon, a Bloody Mary sure does help. But it's kind of a short-term thing because it gives you a little buzz and you'll usually be tired after that. So then you may need a nap or go to bed early that night. But hangovers, hangovers in general are worse as you get older as a liver ain't what it used to be in terms of toxin processing. and uh, But yeah, bloody, uh, only if it's really bad, though. You know, I wanted to ask you, since you and Pam managed to stay so thin all the time, do you take calorie content into consideration when selecting what to drink? It, it's harder to lose weight as we get older. Hell no, we don't watch our calorie content when it comes to alcohol. <laughs> but we do, we do like to exercise and try to eat healthy beyond the alcohol. Um one advice that I got from my uncle, uh, my Uncle Rich, and he passed away last year at 103. Wow. And so I asked him, I says, you know, Rich, what, what was your uh, secret to longevity? And he said, I have a beer a day and I walk a mile a day. So that kind of sounds like a good prescription for when you get older and just kind of keep things going. And he preferred either PBR or Budweiser was his choice of beer. You know, I hear that a lot. I just saw on the news, they interviewed a, a lady here locally, was 103, and she said she did, she did a shot of whiskey every day. Oh, is that right? And Sally's grandma lived to 96, and she did some like uh, whiskey and orange juice concoction every day right well, till the end. Sounds like if you want to graduate from a geezer to an old codger, then maybe that's <laughs> a ticket. Uh, as far as me and Sal... We don't exercise as much as you guys do. We get a little exercise, but we try to eat and drink fairly low carb. So no sweet mixes like sodas or sweet margarita mixes. Uh, not much beer except Michelob Ultra. Usually club soda with vodka drinks or um, even club soda as an ingredient in margaritas. We'll mix that in. This helps with hangovers as well as the sugar can really make you uh, have a worse hangover. How about any alternatives to drinking? Well, lots of older folks are rediscovering <laughs> cannabis now that it's easier to get at dispensaries, but I think that's a topic for a whole other show. Sounds good, for sure. Let me know if you need any help with research on that one. There's a good dispensary near a good old fishing home. Weather's supposed to be good next week. Well, get your tackle box ready, brother. All right. Geezer Life is written, directed, produced, and edited by Dave and Jake. We do it all ourselves, except when we have to reach out to younger people to help us remember what buttons to push. If you enjoy our podcast, please like and subscribe, and even leave us a review. Let us know what topics you would like to see us address here on Geezer Life. We could really use the support so we don't have to live out our final years camping under a bridge, which is a really hard place to do a podcast from. Yeah, help us get better, because we're working hard at it when we could be napping instead. We'll let you know when we have our own website, blog, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Until then, see you next time, unless we keel over in the meantime. So eliminate the worry, eliminate the strife, it's time to have your fun, it's the geezer life.